You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Futinski. Hey everyone, welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can also check out our dedicated Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts at Herd and 10 We also have a brand new YouTube channel. So if you hate streaming on other streaming services, go to our page, type in Herd and 10 Podcast, and you can listen to all of our latest episodes on YouTube. Now, let's get right into it. Bills win, Bills win, Bills win win. I'm loving getting to say that. I've kind of just started to do that on my own. Every time they win, I say it three times. It's amazing. I've gotten to now say that. I don't think I started exactly when this show started, but I've gotten to say it quite a few times already. And I hope I can continue to say that because especially, well, especially in this game, the bills were not favored in this game. Most analysts predicted that the Bills would lose. They did think it was going to be close, but they thought the Bills would lose. In my opinion, this game was not close. The Bills won handedly. The the Bills' offense, their defense, their special teams, all three phases worked together, and that's essentially why the Bills won, because they played a complete game. Not necessarily from start to finish as the third quarter woes still continued. The Bills did not look particularly good in the third quarter, but at least each phase of their team played really well. Special teams was quite smooth, minus a missed field goal. I mean, you can't really be mad at Tyler Bass for that. He's a rookie kicker. He was also asked to kick a 61-yarder. Most veterans don't hit 61-yarders, so... That's a really tough kick to hit. But the special teams looked good. The defense looked surprisingly good. And the offense continued to roll and looked more like the way they looked in the first four weeks rather than the last few weeks. Josh Allen, we got to start there. He was dynamite. Honestly, he was practically perfect. And I'm not... uh, Yes, I'm a Bills fan. Yes, you may call me biased. But in this case, I think he was objectively incredible. He went 31 for 38 for 415 yards, which ties his career record because he did that earlier in the season. He also had three touchdowns uh, passing and had another touchdown rushing. I mean, the guy was essentially perfect. He had a passer rating of 138 which brings up his total season passer rating to 
107, I believe it is. And, I mean, that's just unbelievable. He's gone from being a mediocre quarterback statistically to being one of the best. At this moment in time, I think it would be tough to argue that Allen is not elite. How can you argue it? He is playing like an elite quarterback in the NFL. He just beat Russell Wilson. He looked way better than Russell Wilson. Most people, most analysts as well, not just fans, but analysts as well, are basically deeming Wilson as the front runner for MVP. Obviously, you got to keep Patrick Mahomes in there as well, but Allen really stuck it to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. He showed that he can go with the top guns. He can play with the best players in the NFL. And not only can he play, he can destroy them. He, I mean, <laughs> that stat line is unbelievable. He had an incredible, incredible game. Kind of hard to say anything negative. He, he missed a couple throws. I mean, not a whole lot. He, no turnovers, no fumbling issues, no interceptions, great passes. He moved the ball down the field. He was doing middle, mid-range passes, deep passes, shorts, screens. He, he did it all. And the, I think a really big thing here for Josh Allen is he was able to do it, do it effectively, and really read the defense. This was against a Seahawks defense that is not good, that has been really, really bad this season. But he was actually reading the defense. He was seeing what the defense was bringing, and then he was attacking it. And this really gets to my next point, which is specifically what he's done against the Blitz. I want to note here, I I have it in front of me because I, I couldn't believe this statistic, but Last season, against the Blitz, Josh Allen had a 74.9 passer rating. That's quite mediocre, like as an overall passer rating. That's, I mean, 74.9. No one would be impressed with that. What's crazy is this season, so in one season, he was able to completely turn that around. And now against the Blitz, he has a 114 passer rating. That's better than his entire passer rating in the season. That means he's significantly better than the blitz against the blitz versus normal non-blitzing packages. That's unbelievable. I mean, that means if you blitz Josh Allen, he's more likely to burn you than if you sit back. And I mean, does that then come up with the argument that maybe he's not super accurate and that's why if you don't go after him and you force him to squeeze it into tight coverage that he's not as good maybe but we know he's he's become much more accurate his accuracy um has gone up roughly by 10 percent i think it was around 58 last year this year it's around 68 69 so he's drastically improved that as well but what's crazy is he is able to attack blitzes and teams Go ahead, keep blitzing him because he seems to be picking up on it very well. He talked about it, I believe it was after this game against the Seahawks because he was asked on, on there was a particular play, and I'm sure a lot of you who watch the game will remember this. There was, a, there was a wide receiver screen that he threw. It was late in the game. I believe it was on a third down. 
He ends up hitting John Brown, and John Brown ends up running to like 30, 35 yards and ends up getting almost into the end zone. On that play, apparently that's an option for Josh Allen to call. It's called gold rip, which basically means if Josh sees an opportunity, if he sees a heavy blitz package coming and he doesn't see a lot of secondary help and he sees the safeties coming in for this blitz. So it's it's almost an all-out blitz in, in certain cases. I guess it depends on how severe the blitz is. But regardless, Josh can see that, read that, call a gold ripper or anything of that sort, whatever he tells the players um, in the in the huddle, and he calls that, and then they all know this is just basically going to be Josh calls hot quickly, one step drop, gets it out, or even in shotgun, gets it out immediately, hits John Brown. He knows John Brown has a ton of space up the middle because there's likely in this scenario no safeties, there's no one there, um, and Josh gets it out quickly. So. That's a perfect example of how much he has developed. In his first year and in his second year, there was no way he could pick up on things like that and then confidently get the ball out quickly. Now he seems to really be comfortable in what he's being asked to do and comfortable in what he's seeing and trusting himself. Because a big thing with quarterbacks and I don't think I've talked about this before, but a really crucial piece to quarterbacks developing, and I've heard this from some of the analysts that I've spoken to, some of my contacts in the media that I've that I've gotten in touch with, especially prior to the season, to to really understand QB development. And it and it really comes down to that mental aspect, but not just seeing things and picking up on things. It's actually trusting that you have picked up on them correctly. It's great to say, oh, I see this or I see that. Oh, I can take advantage of that. But then actually believing that what you're seeing is true and correct, that's where it, it I think it takes a little more time. So it could be that Josh Allen was picking up on some of those things last year, but he wasn't necessarily believing his eyes. He wasn't trusting his eyes and his instincts. And it seems like now he is. And I think... That's probably a main reason why his game has improved exponentially. That's why his passer rating has almost doubled, or I believe even almost doubled, we'll say. You know, it's specifically when it comes to to the blitz. And it's because he's trusting what his eyes are telling him. It's it's trusting what he is seeing. And... it makes all the difference. So you can definitely see it. And fortunately, I think that it's finally maybe giving some confidence to the Bills defense. The Bills defense was struggling this year, big time. They were not having a good season, but they showed up against the Seahawks. A lot of takeaways, lots of turnovers. Tredavious White got in on the action. Jordan Poyer at safety got in the action. We even saw A.J. Klein as linebacker get in the action. I talk a little bit more about this with Dell later on in the show. but And if you don't know Dell, it's Dell Reed, who's actually the founder of Bill's Mafia. So really awesome that we were able to have him on. Had a great chat with him. Such a friendly guy. Really smart guy. Um, has a real passion for, for Buffalo and, and the community there. So 
excited to have him on, but we will talk more about the Seahawks game and what we saw from, from the Bills defense and that stuff. But I just, I had to mention that we, we've seen a turnaround with the defense potentially. And you got to give some credit to Josh Allen in the offense. If they're playing well, you better believe that's going to give some comfort to the defense. At least I think it does. So with that, I do want to talk about one more thing. And it's something that really pissed me off earlier. It's something that if you check out our social media, you'll see it. I believe it's on our Instagram and our Facebook accounts. It talks about Nick Wright, who works for Fox Sports. And he talked about his tiers of quarterbacks. Now, this was prior to the game against the Seahawks. It was basically supposed to be a mid-season ranking of the tiers of quarterbacks. And he ranked, uh, he looked at, I believe it was looking at every quarterback from who was drafted in the first round from 2015 to 2019. And from there, he basically ranked them in tiers to determine where they fit. Of course, he has Patrick Mahomes at the top as the GOAT. He doesn't have Russell Wilson again, you'll note, because it's only first-round quarterbacks drafted 2015 to 2019. Of course, you well, I shouldn't say of course. If you don't know, Russell Wilson was not drafted in the first round, so he does not belong in this list. Um, so it's not a total of all the quarterbacks, but it's very specific ones. He has pro bowler status. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Kyler Murray. Then as average starter, I, I, I don't know how this came about. He has Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. Definitely some surprises there. And then he has barely holding on. He has Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Daniel Jones. And then he has benched already. I'm not even going to go through that list. You don't need to hear that list. It's it's irrelevant. What matters here, at least to me, and, and all, I'm not even going to stretch to Pro Bowl. There's no question Allen has played good enough to be in the Pro Bowl or well enough to be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, I think some people would argue he's been good enough to win MVP. So I really, though, I'm not even going to stretch here. I'm just going to say, at the very least, he should be average starter. He's certainly playing better than Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, or Carson Wentz. How does Josh Allen belong as barely holding on and his name is beside Darnold and Jones? I have no explanation. I really don't. Other than that, Nick Wright's not a big Bills fan. I mean, look. He's entitled to his own opinion. That's that's his take. Maybe it's, I guess my explanation is probably, or excuse for Nick Wright, is he's looking for a hot take. He's looking to get things out there, and, and it worked. It got us on the train. We saw it. We put it up. So we had a lot of you commenting on it. A lot of you were not happy. Um, I just, I had to mention it because... It just seems crazy that Josh Allen is considered in the tier of barely holding on and he has an above 107 passer rating and coming into the game. So even if we want to say, well, Nick Wright said this prior to the Bills versus the Seahawks game. Okay, let's go with that. He still had, I believe it was a hundred and four passer rating or was it a hundred and two? Regardless, it was well over a hundred. So he was still playing at an elite level, even at that point. 
He did have a few bad games, but you have to look at the entire sample size. His entire season was great statistically. Really nothing to complain about. So had to talk about it because it's something that was really frustrating to see. It's tough to see because you want the media to finally give the Bills and Josh Allen some respect. And it seems disrespectful. But everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So look, if you agree with me, please send me a message or comment on the post that we put up about this. Because we've seen a lot of you agree. We've seen some not necessarily comment on it. So if you want to comment on it or you want to talk to me about it, maybe you don't feel the same way as me, please message me on Twitter. You know my Twitter. It's at NFL. Give me your thoughts or message us on Instagram at Herdentan or on Twitter at Herdentan or even on Facebook at Herdentan. We're, we're all over the place. So you can get in touch with us or you can get in touch with me personally if you want. Um, Love to talk about it. I'm quite passionate about this take because it's frustrating to see. So anyways, let's get to our segment, which is weekly wins and lazy losses. Now we do this every single week. If you're new to the show, you may have not heard it yet, but we do a weekly wins and lazy losses segment where we talk about what the Bills need to do to win and what they need to do to lose in their upcoming matchup. I haven't talked much about this upcoming matchup, and it's against the Arizona Cardinals. Later in the show, we will be talking more about it with USA Today's Bradley Gelber. So me and him talk about that, or we'll talk about that, and we'll have some more details about that, and we'll really dive into what we should expect. But I at least want to talk about just a couple points where I feel like the Bills can can win this game, and maybe a couple points how they could lose this game. So this segment is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. But now, they also offer products for other parts of your body. Before I get into this segment, I want to tell you a little bit about Manscaped's latest product, the new Weed Whacker. It's an ear and nose hair trimmer, and it uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. If you buy this product using the promo code HERDAND10, that's H-E-R-D-A-N-D-T-E-N, you will receive 20% off and free shipping. So please, go visit manscaped.com. And when you go to purchase an item and hit checkout, include the promo code Heard and 10, and that's 10, T-E-N. And get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order. So get the new Weed Whacker and or the Lawnmower 3.0 and make your balls a priority this fall. Here is Weekly Wins. First point here, we need to have QB contain, not necessarily QB pressure. Because... If you pressure Kyler Murray, he will find a way to get out of it and he will run for a first down or more. I've seen it enough. I've watched enough of their games. They have a lot of four o'clock games. He is really, really fast. And I don't know if it's because he's a little smaller than the average quarterback, but man, his feet look like they're moving a mile a minute. So we really, really need to be able to contain him. Sort of like what we did against Russell Wilson. Play contain. 
Don't over-pursue and force him to beat you with his arm. It's not to say Murray's not a good passer. He is. But his you know, asset, the best part of his game are his legs. It's his running. So if you can slow down his running ability, if you can contain it and keep it to a minimum, I think the Bills could win this game. I definitely think the Bills can win this game if they can do that. You also need to be able to stop the deep ball. So Kyler Murray, he's got a pretty big arm for a small guy. He's got a cannon built on or attached to his shoulder, kind of like Josh Allen. I mean, I'm not going to start comparing those two. Josh Allen truly has a cannon, but Kyle Murray's got a small cannon for himself too. He's got a pretty big arm and he's quite accurate downfield. So you really need to be able to stop the deep ball. So I think you got to do two things here. And I really think it comes down to the defense and I'm focusing on the defense because I don't have a lot of concerns about the Bills offense. I'm concerned about their defense. I think that they need to be able to not only contain Kyler Murray, but ensure that he can't find those deep balls. If you watched Arizona's game against the Dolphins this past week, Murray burned them. Now, they ended up losing, but Murray burned them a few times deep. 50-yard bombs, and he's accurate. So if you don't stop those deep balls, you could lose. So you got to stop him. You got to keep him contained, restrict his run ability or his running ability and stop the deep ball. Those two things will allow the Bills to win this game and probably win it handedly if they can do both of those things really well. For lazy losses. The Bills have poor defensive line discipline. They can lose this game. It's pretty connected to the way they're going to win. If they don't play a proper game, if they over-pursue, if they get too excited, and it's really, it's going to be interesting because we've been saying we want the Bills to get pressure. We want them to get sacks. We want them to get hits on the quarterback. I don't necessarily think that's the way to beat them this week. I think what you need to do is you need to get through Pressure him, but don't over-pursue. Don't try to sack him immediately. Contain him. Force him to throw the ball away. If you can hit him, great. But I wouldn't be rushing with the ears pinned back and trying to attack him and try to take him down. I don't think that's the way to stop him. I think the way to stop him is to get the pressure so he panics and then don't allow him to leave that pocket and force him to throw it away. Force him to throw it out of bounds. Force him to throw it down to the ground. Maybe you'll get some intentional grounding calls. If you don't do that, the Bills could lose. If the Bills don't do what I'm saying, if they over-pursue, if they attack too much, if they play undisciplined at the line in, in the sense that they they don't you know sort of collapse in on Murray and force him to throw it away, they could lose this game. You know, I also think It's going to come down to something big, which is the secondary play. You need to attack their secondary and and not the Bills secondary. I'm talking about the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a weak secondary. They've had quite a few injuries. They've become quite thin, uh, assuming not everyone is healthy against the Bills. 
This is going to be somewhere where the Bills can truly attack. It's going to be an opportunity for Josh Allen to go deep to guys like John Brown, Stephon Diggs, maybe even Cole Beasley, definitely Gabe Davis. Some of these guys, they've shown the ability to catch deep passes and get open and show speed and separation. And if the Bills don't attack the Cardinals secondary, if they don't, if they stick to a running game or if they stick to dinking and dunking, I could see the Bills losing this game. I think they're going to have to press a little here. I think they're going to have to show the Cardinals that they need to play deeper. I think they're going to have to at least come out throwing deep so they can get some of those younger cornerbacks to back up a bit, give some more cushion, which will then open up some of the stuff underneath to guys like Cole Beasley, to screens, to Devin Singletary and and uh, Zach Moss. I think that if you do that, if you press and you show that you can go deep, I think it will open things up in the shorter game. So dinking and dunking could work later in the game, but I think you need to start with really pressuring the Cardinals defense, really pushing those young cornerbacks back and forcing them to give cushion to to some of your top receivers. So I think that that's how you're going to do it. So that's it for this part of the episode. But don't go away because after a quick break, we're going to be talking with Bill's Mafia founder, Del Reed. Really nice guy, so definitely stick around for that. We'll be talking a little bit about the Seahawks game and how the Bills won it and what we should expect from it and key takeaways from the game. As well, later on in the show, we're going to be having USA Today's Bradley Galber. Really nice and knowledgeable guy. So happy a guy from USA Today was able to come on and talk about the Bills' upcoming matchup versus the Cardinals. So again, stick around. After this quick break, we'll be talking with Del Reed and then later with Bradley Galber. Thanks. Bill's season is here, but tailgates will have to wait. But there is a new way to connect with your Bill's Mafia and other sports fans. Let me tell you about this new app called Playing the Field. Playing the Field is a dating and community app made exclusively for sports fans. By Playing the Field, you can connect with sports fans for any reason you want. Want to find a friend that won't ask questions when you say you need a table? Someone to go to a game with or just grab a few beers and wings? Need an extra player for your weekly hockey game? Playing the field also helps you find your MVP by offering a dating app that removes the inconvenience of having to scroll through multiple profiles just to find a sports fan. Playing the field is available on the web at playthefielddating.com and we'll have iOS and Android versions later this season. Playing the Field is founded by a member of the Bills Mafia, so you will also be supporting one of your own. Please take a look at our show notes for more information on Playing the Field and their podcast, The Fan Experience. Welcome back to the Herd and 10 podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. We are joined by a special guest, and as we mentioned earlier, we were excited to have him on, and that's Del Reed. 
Dell, uh, tell the fans where they can find you, what you're about. You know, uh, you've started something incredible with Bill's Mafia, so feel free to to give some details about that too. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, and I appreciate, I feel, you know, special guest. I'm not just a guest, but I'm a special guest, so thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Del Reed. You know, I'm on Twitter, you know, just first name, last name, at Del Reed, R-E-I-D. Unlike Andre, I spelled the name correctly. And <laughs> um, co-founder of Bill's Mafia and the uh, founder of 26 Shirts. Very cool, very cool. So I want to just talk about the Bills' huge win against the Seattle Seahawks. A lot of people didn't expect them to win. I personally did not expect them to win that game. But they came out guns a-blazing. They played really potent, clean offense. Their defense showed up, which I think shocked a lot of people. I want to get your take on the defense. Is this defense for real? Is this them turning the corner? What, what, what are we seeing right now? Um, yeah, it's a great it's a great question because this was a very potent offense that they just played. Um, you know, one of the, the the best in the league. I mean, Russell Wilson is, you know, probably still the the, the out front in terms of you know MVP candidacy. So I, I'd like to think this is them turning the corner. You know, they're still missing Matt Milano, so it's even more interesting or even more encouraging that they they had that you know turnaround without him in the lineup. So. Uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, I know you know Trey White got banged up towards the end of the game there, and I'm not quite sure where he stands in terms of health. Um, but yeah, it was a very encouraging uh, display that they put on on Sunday. Yeah, I, I I like that point you bring up about Matt Milano because for quite a few weeks now I've been saying that I don't even think the Bills defense could be good without him. I actually, in fact, said that they're bad without him, and I feel like I'm eating my words here a little bit because shockingly they showed up against the Seahawks against a really strong offense against arguably the best offense in the NFL and you know against Russell Wilson who statistically has basically been the best quarterback in the NFL in the 2020 season so it's definitely shocking that they showed up and it's not just that they had players like AJ Klein playing really well but it's also they got a lot of takeaways obviously like I said with AJ Klein they did get that fumble but Trey White with a pick, I, Poyer with a pick. We seem to finally be getting those turnovers. As a fan, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for that breakout game where we get a bunch of turnovers and really turn the tide. So my question here is, who is A.J. Klein? Is A.J. Klein that player that's going to turn the tide for the Bills' defense here? Is, is this a player that maybe took some time to understand our defense and is somehow now finally getting it? Or is it on the coaching staff where they're figuring out how to better utilize his talent? Uh, that's a great question. And, and just as a quick disclaimer, I'm you know, not an expert when it comes to a lot of this, <laughs> the, this arena of football. That's, I leave that to cover one and some other great, you know, podcasts and, and, and social media analysts out there. But uh, you know, one recurring theme you see during Bills games as people are live tweeting is frustration with AJ Klein. And I even tweeted towards the end of the game, like, okay, you all have to give him like a one week reprieve on the hate because he really showed up today. He had um, good coverage at, at you know, uh, at, at one point late in the game. And then he had, you know, obviously he came up with some big plays at the end there. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I would say he's the, the cornerstone of the, this, you know, this tide turning, if you will. But, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It was, it was nice to see him ball out. You know, I'd want to see a few more games just to see, you know, where he, he stands uh, maybe longer term with the team. But um, it was good. To, it was good to see him like have those opportunities and make good on them on Sunday. So why don't we talk about a couple things that I feel like you're probably going to have a lot of passion about, and that's specifically you being one of the co-founders of Bill's Mafia. I want our listeners to really understand where that came from, how that idea came about, and did you ever expect it to become what it has become now? Which, And I believe the Bill's organization is now trying to get it copyrighted or something. Maybe you can give some some details with that as well. Uh, yeah, to, to to save the long story, because it is a long story, to, to you know basically encapsulate it is Bill's Mafia was an inside joke between myself and a few other Bill's fans that dates back to almost, its origination dates back almost exactly 10 years. So um, it wasn't some, was not something that was built in a lab. It wasn't something that we uh, said, hey, let's start a movement that would unite Bill's fans under this uh, specific banner. And it could be used to give back to the community and, you know, represent our pride in the team. It wasn't anything like that. It was, um, like I said, an inside joke that took off that it just, you know, when it did take off, um, when other people discovered it months after we first started using it among the five or six of us, um, because, you know, those of us who were involved at the jump all had very similar, um, you know, mindsets and opinions and how we look at life. We saw the opportunity to do something positive with it, and so instead of just making T-shirts that would, um, you know, kind of I don't want to say exploit fellow fans, but would just take advantage of other fans' passion, we we did it in such a way that kind of celebrated, you know, what this Bill's Mafia thing was starting to become, which was basically our own name that we created, um, our own you know identity, and uh, we just wanted to celebrate that and give back to the community. So it was. Um, really kind of zeitgeist kind of thing, like the spirit of the times. It just really, and I've always said that if it, Bill's Mafia is such a goofy name. Like I said, it was an inside joke. We didn't build it in a lab. Um, and if it wasn't Bill's Mafia, it was going to be something else. And so uh, that was just the name that took off, right? At the kind of like the advent of social media. Twitter had only been around and really active for a couple of years at that point among sports fans. So um, it just, like I said, it took off and it kind of reflects the college town atmosphere that, that Bill's fandom has in general. And then it's grown to this point now where the Bills themselves are embracing the term. And so that's really cool to see. Even the NFL, the official NFL Twitter account, I see using hashtag Bills Mafia, which is obviously something I never would have <laughs> envisioned. So um, with you know, with the team embracing the, tor- the term, they reached, they reached out to me and they've kind of given me an idea of where they want to take it. And, um, you know, we're still talking. You know, I've done my best to... Uh, reiterate time and time again that it is about community it's not about merchandise not about clever marketing it's really about community and i would say looking out for your fellow fan so and they get it they seem to understand that and so really excited to see where it goes but it's still kind of almost embryonic at this point my relationship with them but we'll see where it goes yeah i think that that really gives everyone an idea of, of not just you know where it's going but how it started and what the real focal point of it is. And I know some people got concerned when they saw the bills were getting involved, but it sounds like it's actually going to be something good, especially if the organization can really understand that. And personally, I think that what the Pagulas have done or have done so far has been excellent. 
I don't personally live in Buffalo, but I've seen some of the things that they've brought to the city, and it's more than just sports. Like you had talked about, they're trying to create a community just like how you and some of your co-founders tried to create this Bills Mafia community. And with a team that is finally having success but has had a really tough past, I feel like that community aspect is so crucial. We need our fellow Bills Mafia when the Bills are having many seasons of 7-9, and 6-10, and 5-11. and 11. Those are things we need. So having something like Bill's Mafia is is incredible. I mean, I, I follow it all. I, I love the hashtag. I think it's a great concept. And I think the, the key is that you're saying that it's not about business. It's not about marketing. It's just about creating something wholesome. It wasn't created in a lab. It was just you and your friends trying to come up with something that you guys could joke around about. But what's amazing is now you have hundreds of thousands of people joking around about it, but also taking it seriously. So it's an amazing thing. And I I thank you and your co-founders for coming up with it because it's incredible. It really is something amazing. And when I think of Bills, I don't even say Buffalo Bills. I just say Bills Mafia. Like that's just who the Bills are now. So it's, it's really great. And I think it's also something that you've seen players embrace. Like players seem to like being part of Bill's Mafia, not just being part of the Buffalo Bills organization. And to me, Bill's Mafia feels more of a an entirely, I should say, Buffalonian thing. It's more than just the Bills. It's more than just sports. So again, no, I appreciate you coming up with that. Um, as for something more specific to to, again, the Seahawks game, we saw John Feliciano really take a big step forward. He's played center now for almost two games and with Mitch Morse out and his concussion issues, I feel like there's some serious concern of even if he does come back, is he going to get another concussion? There's clearly some injury problems there. Is John Feliciano maybe even better than Mitch Morse? Because I thought our line looked pretty good. Now we did give up quite a few sacks, but the Seahawks were sending a ton of pressure. So what I'm asking of you is, do you think Feliciano could just be the Bill center moving forward? And maybe we even move on from Morse. I believe he has two years left on his contract. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. but And maybe they could cut him after next season, or, or maybe they could trade him. Do we want to just go with John Feliciano, who is obviously a really good guard, but is now showing that he's a really talented center as well? No, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure in terms of like what the the, the pathway is there. I, I don't think uh, I'm not sure that moving on from Moore's is something that I think that the team is eager to pursue in terms of any kind of action right now. But it, I mean, this is also good, you know. And you know, Feliciano is not a center. His contract isn't to be a center. He's a, it's a guard. Um, but this is what's this is why depth is good. You want to have players that can step in and and take over when somebody is out. So, I mean, my preference would be to you know for Moore's, you know, we hope that he's healthy. I mean, like you mentioned a moment ago, he's got you know a concussion history uh, that you know he's going to need to to work through throughout his career. But like um, you, you know, then the alternative of moving on from Moore's and then putting Feliciano in center now, who's your backup center? And so, I mean, they 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 tried it with, um, was it Bates? Forgive me if I'm wrong. I think it was Bates. And then it was like after one drive, last week, uh, the team was like, yeah, I know we're gonna go with Feliciano. But um, 
I'm, I'm never so eager, to, even in fantasy football. <laughs> you know, like you have a, if you have a plethora of depth at a position, you're always one injury, injury away from not having a plethora of depth. And so that is something that is nice to have. So uh, this is a really long answer to, you know, your question. But I, I think they're good where they are right now in terms of the roster, assuming everybody's healthy, assuming everybody is, you know, able to perform their normal jobs. I think it's, they're okay. Like you said, they, Seattle was sending a ton of pressure. Um, that was, I mean, it was a tough showing. It was, that was a tough showing for the, the offensive line in that respect. Um, but I think right now they, they're, they're good with, you know, Moore's at center when he's healthy, Felicio, you know, by his side. And then, you know, something happens to Moore's and, you know, Feliciano can slide over. Yeah, I guess really it's it's versatility here, right? Having a guy like Feliciano who can clearly now step in at center, and I don't think a lot of people thought he could. I, I don't – well, we've never really seen him need to do that. So it's it's interesting to see that he's able to make that shift and not to say guard's not important. It is, but center is generally a much more difficult position to play. And like you said, he is being paid to be a guard. He's not being paid to be a center. That would likely also inf- impact his contract, which – I believe is coming up after this season. So it's going to be interesting to see if the bills want to keep him. And if he continues to perform the way he is and show this versatility, he's going to want some big money. And I guess my concern here is what do you start having to move around? I mean, maybe you got to start looking at the bills defensive line. They've spent a lot of money there. Maybe some money needs to get moved around. Maybe some guys need to get cut and some savings need to be made. My final question for you is is about a player who's been injured uh, quite a bit this season, but it's Josh Norman. We we have not seen a whole lot from him. He did have one impressive game. He did force a fumble. He he's done some good things out there, but it seems like the depth we were hoping he could bring is not working because of his injuries. Are we safe to say at this point that maybe it wasn't a great signing that maybe we could have used that money to bring someone else in it just it feels like we're so thin at that position and having a guy like him who really can't seem to get healthy and is clearly at the end of his career has actually made it even thinner yeah no he was he's in the middle of a one-year contract right now and so I, I'm not going to go back and I'm not, I'm really not a big fan of saying this was, this was a bad idea, you know, when, you know, the team is trying to do something in the off season. And maybe if I could rewind to the, the, that exact point in time when they signed him, maybe I could take a look and see what other, you know, corners were available. Um, but, you know, I don't think he was necessarily brought in to be CB2, you know, solely uh, because they have Levi Wallace, uh, you know, and, so, I mean, I'm not going to, like, give them a hard time for signing him. He's had a tough season. He's, you know, he's, I'm not sure how many years he's been in the league now, but it's he's been in the league for a few. So I, I, I'm looking now, 2012. So, I mean, he's a he's on, you know, he's certainly on the back end of his career. And uh, he did have his better years playing under McDermott's defense for sure. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. I'm not, you know, ready to throw in the towel on him. You, you, you know, we don't know what the rest of the season is going to bring. Hopefully he's able to get healthy in time for a strong showing towards the end, but corner depth is important. And so they did their best to bring in somebody who has familiarity with the defense, who has a, a track record that's proven in the league and everything. So, you know, like I said, I'm not going to like heap any criticism on Bean for bringing Josh Norman in. 
Yeah, and it's a good point you bring up. I'll just final thoughts here that he could come in handy late in the season if he can get healthy, particularly in the playoffs. Looking like the Bills are going to be going to the playoffs. It's looking like they might win the division. Uh, we'll see how the Dolphins uh, fare in the next few weeks. But with that, it, it probably is going to be important to have him there. Just, you know, I hadn't even thought about when I asked the question, but it's. He's had a lot of experience in the playoffs. He's been there. He's done that. He's been in the Super Bowl. He's a guy who's had a ton of experience, probably the most experience on the teams. Hopefully, you hope that that he's going to be healthy. But even if he isn't healthy, maybe his ability to talk to some of the younger players, like a Levi Wallace, like Tredavious White, who have been to the playoffs, but only really been to a game or so, a couple games here and there. They really haven't won a game. They haven't moved through the playoffs. They don't necessarily know what to experience. Maybe just having him in the locker room, in the defensive backs room, will be helpful in itself. So I guess we'll have to see. Time will tell. Hopefully he's going to get healthier because this hamstring injury, I know these can be nagging, so mm-hmm. this could go on for weeks. But yeah. look, like you said, he wasn't brought in necessarily to be the CB2. Maybe he's that CB2.5, I like to say, because he comes in at times. Maybe he's there in case of injury, that kind of thing. But, Dell, I, I appreciate you coming on. I love to hear about Bill's Mafia. You know, I, I didn't necessarily know how it started, so it's nice to hear from you, how it started, why you started it. I appreciate you coming on, and I think our listeners will too. So thank you so much, and uh, go Bills. Go Bills. Thanks for the invite, man. I appreciate it. back to the herd and 10 podcast and i am joined by usa today's bradley gelber he writes for bills wire bradley how's it going i'm doing well thanks for having me today if you want to just let our listeners know where they can find you i think probably it's mainly twitter but i'll I'll let you speak to that yeah uh, they can find my work uh over as you said on uh usa today bills wires uh website It's an affiliate of the uh, USA Today Sports Media Group. And on Twitter, you can find me at Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, Gelber, G-E-L-B-E-R. So uh, those are pretty much the uh, two two main places you'll find me on the uh, internet. Awesome, awesome. So let's jump right into it. Bill's coming off a big win against Seattle. They are taking on a, I would say, quite good Arizona Cardinals team what should we expect in this game even not necessarily from a score point of view but just in general what kind of football should we expect what could we expect from the Bills this week yeah so I think in terms of style of play I think pretty similar to what we just saw versus Seattle because you know similar similar style uh, teams in that they're much better offensively than they are defensively. Uh, I believe that the Cardinals lead the NFL in, in yards per game. Um, and, and obviously Kyler Murray is 
often compared to kind of a younger Russell Wilson in some regards in terms of athleticism and play coming along in, in his time in the NFL. So I would say it's a pretty similar opponent um, coming off of the Seattle game. Obviously, it's on the road. Weather-wise, though, it's we had a perfect game this, this past week in Buffalo versus Seattle, a summer-like game, and now you're going down to Arizona. So I think that that's something the Bills really can try to build off of what, what they did last week. It, are we going to see another offensive performance like that from Josh Allen and the offense? I mean, that's a tall order to, to put up 44 points again on anyone. Um, but the Cardinals defense is really middle of the pack um, in terms of the NFC. So Seattle had one of the, as one of the worst defenses in the league. So probably a little bit more formidable of opponent on the defensive side, but there's no reason the Bills shouldn't be able to get their points. Um, and then on the flip side, you really have to hope that the defense can really start stringing together more performances like we saw last week, especially going up against a Seattle offense. That's one of the best in the league, one of the you know best quarterbacks in the league and now transitioning to an Arizona offense, uh, which is also one of the best uh, statistically in the league with the up and coming bright quarterbacks. So can the defense, I think that's really more the question. I'm not so so worried about the offense performing although maybe maybe we shouldn't be overly confident in the offense, but I, I'm not too concerned about that. I, I really need to see, can the defense start stringing together multiple performances? Uh, because although they gave up points to Seattle, uh, certainly their most you know complete performance, I'd say overall was was versus Seattle. So hopefully, you know we can see them transition this to this week, you know, right before the bye week here. And I think, turnovers are something that we haven't seen them you know take the ball away enough this season and last week being able to get those four takeaways uh, was huge in terms of momentum and just you know keeping keeping things for far enough away with the lead maintaining that lead um, and I think they're just gonna have to have a similar game plan this week um, so yeah I think I think pretty much you're, you're looking at a pretty similar style game back-to-back um, -back weeks here. I like a couple things you brought up. I want to mention specifically, which are one, the Bills' ability to have a complete game. That That's the first thing. Talk about that last week, the Bills finally, it seems like, played that complete game. And we really haven't seen that up until week nine. So it's interesting because we're not sure what we're going to get every week, right? We, some weeks we've seen the defense show up some weeks we've seen the offense show up we really haven't seen that complete game up until last week and but it's tough to know exactly just because I don't want to worry about the offense I feel like I only want to worry about the defense but it it is worth noting that yes they played really well yes they they killed Seattle but Seattle's defense is quite weak and we've seen that the Bills offense it has been really good but there's been a few games where they haven't been as potent in particular Josh Allen he really has not been stellar in every single performance now I love Josh Allen I think he's been excellent this year but he has had a few duds and I, I just still have that in the back of my mind every week we come in you're wondering if this could potentially be the week that he has a dud I don't think that's the case. Talk about Arizona's defense being a middling defense. So I feel like that's not likely. The other point you bring up is it's probably 
hopefully and more likely going to come down to the defense. We should be pretty confident that the offense will, whether Allen is incredible or not, they should at least be solid. They should be able to put up some points and ideally enough to win the game. What it's going to come down to is, can the defense show up? Can they do what they just did against Seattle in, like you said, good weather? And of course, going to Arizona, closed stadium, you know, the weather's not going to be a factor. It's funny that we're talking about weather, that you mentioned weather, and now I'm talking about it just because for so many years, we've always, at least I as a fan when I'm watching, I feel like I've always wanted bad weather because the Bills never had great quarterback play. We always thought if the weather's bad, we'll have a better chance. Now it seems to be the reverse. When the weather's good, that's when we feel the most confident because we feel like Josh Allen can really exploit defenses. So it's really nice to have that flip side. Speaking about quarterbacks, we are playing a really good quarterback in Kyler Murray. He's kind of like Russell Wilson and Clearly, we were able to stop Russell Wilson, and I would imagine there's going to be a similar type of play to stop a guy like Murray. And it's not to say his passing isn't good. He, he's a solid passer, but really where he flourishes and prospers is, is running. And man, he is really quick. He's, he's definitely electric. He is fun to watch, but I hope we're not going to see any long runs. Is there a recipe to stop a guy like Kyler Murray? Yeah, you know, so that's a really good point. And I think it's important to look back at some of the games this season where the Bills have struggled, whether they won the game or not. I mean, there's been instances where the Bills had trouble stopping quarterbacks from escaping the pocket that really weren't known for being, quote unquote, rushing quarterbacks, if you will. Look at Ryan Tannehill in the Tennessee game. I mean, look at Derek Carr, even in the the, the Vegas game there. There was times Patrick Mahomes was able to escape the pocket. There's just been times where the Bills really had issues. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he was still starting for the Dolphins in week two, even Sam Darnold was able at times to get out of the pocket. So all of a sudden you you bring in a quarterback who actually has the ability. And and look, that was my that was my big concern with them facing Seattle was oh gosh, you know, this defense has struggled all season. Now they're going up against the MVP, top, probably top MVP candidate and going into last week in the league in Russell Wilson, who also, mind you, is very athletic and can get yards on the ground. Um, it was just seemingly a recipe for disaster. I, I didn't give them virtually any chance to win that game. Um, their air attack was, you know, crazy for Seattle going into that that game. And I was wrong. I mean, point blank, they they figured out a plan. And I think that's what they're going to have to do with uh, Kyler Murray, whether they plant a spy on him. And that's not something they've done a lot on defense. They haven't really spied the quarterback. And um, there's been times where it was kind of a head scratcher as to why they didn't possibly. I mean, when they went up against New England, Cam Newton's known for getting yards on the ground. And he beat them too. And there was times where it looked like the bills weren't really adjusting on the fly to what was happening. So I think they can go in and they they're able, I think it's so important though, when we're talking about the defense that we also look at the offense and look at what they did in that Seattle game, how they were able to get up early. That changes the entire dynamic of the game for the defense, because if you're up early, the Bills scored three plays into the game versus Seattle, all of a sudden, they jumped out quickly to a 17 point lead. 
all this, the defense can play a lot looser. They can get after the quarterback. They can throw some blitzes in there. They can do some other things because they don't have to worry about if they let one play go, the game's over. So if, you know, if the Cardinals come out and break open this game early on, well, then the defense is suddenly things are a little tighter and, and they've not played well in those situations. So as much as I think it is on the defense to come up with a good game plan for Kyler Murray, and similarly to what they did for Russell Wilson, uh, you know, at the same time, I think it's also important for the offense to give them that, you know, that flexibility and give them that, um, that ground to be able to go out there and play, play a game like we saw last week. So um, I, I, I'm confident that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott will, you know, put the work in and have a good game plan for them. But um, it really comes down to sometimes just the, the style of the game and how it goes uh, early on, especially. And, um, you know, you hope to see the Bills be able to replicate what they were able to do last week. So where are you at right now with the Bills run game? You know, you talk a lot of it, obviously our offense and, and the, the success we've seen passing the ball and, and all of that. We've seen sort of a mixed bag when it comes to the run game. Do you feel like us moving further and further away from that is a problem or is this just the new style offense and you know, all the top teams are doing it. So it's okay. Or do we feel like we're maybe still missing that, that balance? I talked about this a few weeks ago because we finally showed some success against the Patriots, but then we, again, again, we, we play Seattle and yes, we're throwing the ball really well. And Allen's doing it really, really nicely, but we're still not getting a consistent run game. Is this going to be a problem down the road? Is this something we need to be concerned about? And playing a team like Arizona, realistically, you potentially could be in another shootout this week. Wouldn't it help to have some of that, some of that balance so we can have those long sustained drives or even more importantly, late in the game when we're winning, maybe you need to get a third and two or something and you don't necessarily always want to be throwing the ball. Sometimes you want to be unpredictable. You don't want defenses preparing for Josh Allen throwing or Josh Allen running. Sometimes you need him to be feeding the ball off to Zach Moss or off to Devin Singletary. Is that something that you feel like we're missing or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's not a concern and I'm just looking into things. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because they threw so much uh, in this past game that you kind of wondered, well, was that the game plan all week or how did that come to be? And, you know, talking after the game and, and early this week, hearing from uh, the Bills in terms of, you know, Brian Dable, what, what the game plan was and, and Josh Allen and some of the other players, uh, they really practiced all week for a pretty even, um, even split between the run and the pass game. I know Devin Singletary said uh, that as well. He said, you know, we weren't really going into this game thinking it was going to be super pass heavy. Um, what the Bills did and what I applaud them for doing is they went with what works. Um, so, you know, I think, as you said, we saw success finally uh, in the Patriots game. And then you get Pete Carroll saying after the game, Seattle's head coach, we didn't expect them to throw the ball that much. Well, that's that's great. I mean, they did exactly what they caught a team off guard and they took full advantage of it. So I don't look at it like the Bills can't run the ball. Yes, it, it would it would 
in a perfect world, what you're saying makes, you know, total sense to me. And you want to have a balanced attack. You don't want to be predictable, but um, I think they're almost not being predictable because they have success on the ground versus the Patriots a week later, the team they're playing expects them to run because they did well the week before, and then they almost don't run the ball at all. So, um, you know, I think it is a very pass heavy league now, and that's something the trend continues to move in that direction. I think to be successful, you need to be able to put up points and through the air is the quickest way to do it. Um, but I, I do want to see more from Devin Singletary. I want to see more from Zach Moss. Uh, Zach Moss has sort of, it seems, become kind of the goal line option for the Bills. And that's, I think, just based on his style of run. He's more of a physical runner, a bigger back. Um, we saw him, you know, score again this past week versus Seattle. Uh, Devin Singletary only has has the one rushing touchdown on the season so far, um, but he he's the uh, rushing leader on the team right now. But you know we're we're nine games into the season and he doesn't even have 400 yards rushing right now. So um, you know it's it's certainly been an interesting up and down season for the offense as a whole. Um, but the games where they have clicked, it's really pretty much been the passing game, other than that Patriots game. So. I think we're going to continue to see, you know, I know Sean McDermott talks about a lot about finding this team's identity and he says it a lot when it comes to the defense, but I think the offense is still trying to find its identity a little bit too. Um, I know they returned a lot of the same players from last year, but obviously adding a guy like Stefan Diggs kind of changes the whole dynamic of the offense and Josh Allen continuing to get comfortable and mature and grow as a quarterback. So um, I think that they're smart to, take what the defense gives them and if, if they're trying to take away the run game by all means go to the air but if you know if this week you have a, a Arizona team that studies the film and says okay well Seattle gave their receivers way too much cushion uh, in terms of throwing the ball and there was receivers open almost every play and Josh Allen just could pick them apart they might say look let them try and run the ball on us we're going to drop back in the zone coverage or we're going to make sure that these guys are not um, open like that. And then you're going to have to run the ball. And whether that's Josh Allen running the ball or whether that's Devin Singletary and Zach Moss running the ball, um, that's going to be kind of remain to be seen. But I think that Brian Dable's done a nice job of with the play calling and, and Josh Allen's done a nice job of adjusting on the fly to, to some plays. So um, I have confidence in the offense to figure it out, but I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, they need to be more balanced overall. Um, you know, you hope they can do that, but I think they have to just continue to take what, you know, what the opponent's defense is giving them. I like that answer. And I think it's an interesting take because that's not the way I was looking at it, which is why I ask people like you the question. I ask an expert the question and you answered it well, because I'm talking about, you know, can the Bills run game, succeed do we have that balance should we have that balance all that stuff but your answer makes sense which is just because we're not running the ball doesn't mean we can't do it successfully we've done it successfully against the patriots but we haven't done it successfully elsewhere but it's not for a lack it's not because we've tried to do it we've said the defenses are asking us to throw they're pressuring us to throw so let's throw the ball so I think that that's interesting. That almost has changed my, my train of thought here just because I realize now that whatever we're going to see, that's how the Bills are going to go with it. So if the Bills are preparing to run, but the team, you know, if the Cardinals 
don't want to protect our receivers and want to give them cushion, then we're going to, then we're going to throw and vice versa. If they want to pressure and you know, they want to play tough on guys like Diggs, then we're going to find ways to run. And I like the other mention that you make, which is about Zach Moss and his physical play, because yes, he's had limited number of rushes, just like Singletary has, but we're starting to see his value, which is clearly short yardage plays and in particular goal line plays. He seems to have a knack and a nose for the end zone. He seems to be able to get into the end zone, whether it's John Feliciano picking him up and carrying him in, or it's him, you know, bashing through with his head and, and, and is just his physical legs and whatnot. So I like that too, because I think that that's something that's important. And it's probably one of those conversations or one of those topics that's not being talked about a lot because his stats don't jump off the page. He doesn't have 10 touchdowns and 900 yards rushing. So, but you can definitely see that progression and that development. And I guess my hope is, is that we can really rely on that, especially in later games in the season, when you're playing a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are really tough. I feel like you're going to need that tough type of running especially when you get close to the goal line to see if you can really, you know, smash through and, and use Moss to physically just power his way in the end zone, because I don't think we're going to get stuff like that from Singletary. So my final question for you is score prediction. I have mine written down. I always let my guests give their prediction first. So Bradley, go ahead with your prediction this week. All right. Well, um, I think I'm going to go with uh, a score of, Bills 31, Cardinals 21. Um, I think that the Bills defense will have to play just as well as they did last week, but I think that um, I have more confidence in them if they were able to put up the performance they were versus Russell Wilson and that Seahawks offense that they can shut down Arizona's offense even more. I'm not ready to predict they're going to score over 40 points every week yet, so uh, more modestly, I, I think you look back at some past Bills teams and giving them 31 points and saying that's modest would, you know, be laughable. So um, I think that's still a pretty nice number. Um, I think the Bills, honestly, I, I think that they're going to win this game. I think that, you know, going in before the Patriots game, I looked at the next three games and I said, okay, they got to play the Patriots who we know aren't the same Patriots team, but it's going to be a tough game. It's in the division. We don't really know what we're going to see from Cam Newton um, that's a tough one. Seattle, I had written them off as that's a loss. And then Arizona was playing really, really well up until this past loss to Miami. So I was saying, you know, there's a potential, not that you want to look at it that way, but they could lose all three of those games before the bye. Um, obviously they come out and win that new England game pretty convincingly, even though it, they, at times they fell behind there, but they, overall they played well enough to win. They, you know, they dismantle the Seahawks overall, and now they come into this Cardinals game. And, and could, could they lose this game? Sure. I think the Cardinals are probably better than that 5-3 and three record. Um, and and we, we see, as we discussed today, there's a lot of potential for um, why they're a good team. But um, confident in, in Josh Allen and this offense, I think that another thing that was brought up a little bit this past week was Josh Allen's shoulder, uh, his non-throwing shoulder was, uh, he hurt it versus the Raiders. And while he toughed it out there, there was talk of it impacting possibly his performance the last few weeks. And, and this is around the time when it looks like it was fully healed. He wasn't wearing that 
big shoulder brace anymore on his arm. And all of a sudden he comes out and kind of plays like we saw those first few weeks prior to the injury. So is that the whole reasoning why he struggles for a few games in a row? No, I, I, the opponents certainly impact that as well. But I just feel good about where this offense is. I think they're clicking again. I think Josh Allen has his confidence back, especially versus a team like Seattle getting a win like that. So I think the offense will get get their points. And it's a bit more risky, as we already talked about with the defense. Are they going to come out? Or are we going to see them regress kind of back to the defense we've seen prior to the Seattle game? Um, but you just have to roll with it. And I think that hopefully they can pick up some momentum off of that last game and, and keep it going. And, and if you can hold uh, a team like Arizona and Kyler Murray to 21 points, I think that that's really going to give them quite a bit of uh, momentum and confidence heading into the bye week. And, and hopefully they can just keep it rolling from there. So like I said, I think Bills 31, Cardinals 21. I like it. I got the Bills to win this game too. And it's interesting because just a couple weeks ago, I had my doubts about this game in Arizona on the road, cross country, Arizona looked like they were really, really good. And I think we've seen a different story here. They lost to Miami. Now, Miami seems to be a lot better than I think some of us expected, at least for me. I didn't expect them to be this good. I kind of thought they were a dumpster fire, to be honest. I wasn't expecting a whole lot from them this year, but they look good. Tua looks really good. And they have beaten some good teams, including Arizona. So I definitely wasn't feeling great about it. But after the Bills win against Seattle, and you talk about Josh Allen's brace being gone, maybe that had an impact to his, to his throwing arm as well. Maybe it affected his accuracy. I hope that's the case. And if that is the case, then I'm definitely feeling a lot more confident about them. I have the Bills winning this game 31-27. to 27. Um, I, again, like you said, I don't want, I'm not going to go with them putting up 40 plus points just because I don't want to be that guy who just says, Oh, they're going to put 40 points every game because they did it against Seattle because we've been over this Seattle's defense is not good. And I don't think it's realistic for us to expect that every week, but I do think that we should be expecting the team to put up roughly 30 points every single game, at least against teams that don't have particularly strong defenses and in this case I don't think the Cardinals have that now 31 to 27 is a little closer than you than than your prediction I'm going to give that to the fact that I just don't think the Bills defense is going to be quite what they were against Seattle I'm not saying it was a flash in the pan I think we are turning the corner but I don't know if we're all of a sudden an elite defense and I think that we're going to still give up points especially with a guy like Kyler Murray, who I would say is comes across as very unpredictable and, and in the good way, because you don't really know if he's going to run or throw. He's got a pretty big arm. He's got great speed. He seems to be able to avoid a lot of sacks and, and make things happen. Kind of like what we see from Allen, which is why I have the bills putting up 31 points. So I think it's going to be a tight game. I also think, like I said, traveling is, is going to have an impact there. You're traveling the West Coast. It's also a four o'clock game. We haven't even talked about that. The fact that it's a different time, I don't know. We haven't seen the Bills show up as well when it's a different time other than 1 p.m. I like when the Bills are playing at 1 p.m. I think the Bills like when they're playing at 1 p.m. too. So I do think the Bills are going to win, but I think it's going to be a tight game. 
it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be an exciting game. I think there's going to be loads of offense. So I think we're on the same page with the win here. So Bradley, appreciate you coming on. Love to have you on again, for sure. Um, it was you know great to talk bills. You got a lot to say. I love how I ask you general questions and just let you go off because you got a lot to say and you, you know the bills. So uh, it definitely comes across in this. So I appreciate you coming on. And again, for those of you who want to check them out, check them out on Twitter or go to Bill's Wire, which is part of USA Today, and you can read some of his content. So thanks so much, Bradley. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, we'll definitely have to do it again soon. The NFL is entertainment, and that's how it should be treated. Check out the Dear Pats Nation podcast with Ray Route as I navigate my way through the biggest NFL stories. My lighthearted, comedic approach to the game of football, the players, and all the teams around the NFL provides my listeners with that much-needed distraction from real life. I host engaging guests that are just as passionate about football as I am. Let's throw professionalism out the window. This isn't serious football content. This is just premier sports entertainment. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, RayRoute.com, and the Dean Blundell Network. This is the Kids on the Escalator podcast. Here's CM and BD. Hey, it's Brent. Hey, I'm Chris. We're the hosts of the Kids on the Escalator podcast on the Dean Blundell Network. We talk about the coolest stuff in the universe, like comic books, like movies, like video games, sometimes even some wrestling, things get a little out of hand. Currently, we're breaking down every single episode of The Book of Boba Fett, and it's pretty friggin' cool. Yes, it is. KidsOnTheEscalator.com, Dean Blundell Network, good times. Rad dudes.